Today we're looking at the angelic presence that surrounds Christmas. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to join me in the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, because we get a lot of what we have been singing from this passage, where the angels appeared. Now, angels have a great presence in the Christmas story, don't they? If you go to Matthew's gospel, you see that Joseph runs into an angel warning him in dreams several times. Three times it says it specifically, one time it says he was warned in a dream, so maybe four, three or four times. Uh, first, when he was going to separate from Mary after she was found to be with child, an angel said, this is of God, you need to take her to be your wife. Then after the baby was born, he's told to flee into Egypt. Then he's told to come back to Israel. And then another dream takes him into Nazareth. Mary in Luke's gospel and her cousin's husband, Zachariah, they have angelic visitations, don't they? Telling them about what's about to happen. Elizabeth's going to have a child. Mary's going to have a child. And it's surrounding these angelic things that we see the birth of Christ. And then I guess the, the, the greatest announcement ever made actually came from angels, didn't it? And so let's read Luke chapter two, verse eight. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David was born for you, uh, who is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. So, these angels, well, what is an angel? A great definition of the angel comes from the Holman uh, uh, Christian um, Dictionary, and, and it just says it like this, created beings whose primary function is to serve and worship God. So it makes sense then that the angels would show up this night and have something to say from God to people, and I want us to look at that. I want us to see the message and learn why angels are special and how they're different from us and how in some ways they're similar to us. And what we see from this passage is just a really great insight into the work of angels in God's world. So it started with an interruption. And maybe we should just say this, that if God's going to interrupt you, you better pay attention, right? I mean, that, there are a lot of times in our lives where we have plans of where we're going or, or things that we think we should be doing, and all of a sudden the Lord just says, diversion, here we go, we're going over here. And you say, well, no, I thought we were going, to, no, we're going over here. There was an interruption that night. These shepherds are hanging out outside of the city, probably in the very fields where David had once pastured his father's flock and shepherded those flocks. This is where he'd been found, right outside the city. And in that area, an angel, it said, stood before them. And, and the, the idea is, is literally that he was beside them. It, it was, if you can imagine, you're doing your thing, and it's almost as if you, you, you look beside you. What just happened here? That, that's kind of what, what happens there. And the scripture tells us 
There's a common reaction often when people meet angels, but we get a little something special from what the scripture says about this. Uh, it said they were terrified. That's often what happens, isn't it? Because angels begin by saying oftentimes, do not be afraid. If you read the King James Version of the Bible, I love what it says. It says they were sore afraid, S-O-R-E, sore afraid, terribly afraid. And in fact, the, the literal translation, the reason why everybody struggles with this is because the words actually say this. It says they were fearing a great fear. They were fearing a great fear. That, that's what was happening. When the angel showed up and began to speak, you can imagine it's an interruption to their night. It's an interruption to everything that has been, I mean, they've done this forever. But this night was different in a way. Well, it was also different because the angels carried a very specific message. The interruption was because there was an announcement to be made. And, and there are two parts to the message that are given by the angels that are, I think, very important. The first part is that it says it's of good news and great joy. And, and, and the word news there is the word that we, we steal two words from. One is evangelism. We, we talk about when we share our faith, it's evangelism. That's what that means. And, and so that's the word that we, we take from this idea of good news. It's also the word that we get the word gospel from. So when it says there's good news of great joy, you understand that the, the good news is what's happened in Bethlehem, that Jesus has been born and it speaks to everyone about the love that God has for us because Jesus Christ has been sent by God for us. And oftentimes people say, well, I don't know if that's good news or not because it just feels like to me, God's a bunch of rules and I mean, kind of a killjoy, honestly, if you think, I mean, are we that excited that Jesus came? Well, if we understand who he is, we're absolutely excited about it because we recognize something incredible. It goes to what John speaks about in his gospel when he says, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. That's the good news for us. And, and, and it's an incredible thing. It's, a, it's good news of great joy. Why is it great joy? Because God is with us. He's not far from us anymore. He's not distant from us anymore. He's with us. Living in our midst. Experiencing everything we experience. God with us. The second part of that, that good news is that it said it was good news for all people. And, and this might be the greatest surprise in all of the Bible if you think about it. Because from the beginning of the scripture, all the way through, we understand that God is creating a people for himself. That's what he wanted. He creates Adam and Eve. Then he starts to work through Noah. And he finally works through Abraham, right? And as you begin to see these things, it's the creation of a people for himself. And yet, from the very beginning, from the earliest prophecies about Jesus, we understand that it's not just a select group of people, it's going to be for all people. And, and I want you just to let that, that sink in for a minute because there's no doubt that the Jews are God's people. Jesus, of course, was a Jew. So for any of us to speak against God's people is to speak against our own Messiah. It's crazy. There's, there's no place for us to do that. But it was never just about the Jews. In fact, it's for all people. And God had made salvation 
for every one of us. And so that's an incredible thing that it doesn't matter today if you're an American, if you're Russian, if you're Palestinian, Honduran, Kenyan, so on and so forth, Canadian, it doesn't matter. The good news is for everyone. No one's excluded. In, in the New Testament, Paul's gonna say that now in Christ, there's neither, neither slave nor free, male or female, Jew or Greek, Jew, Gentile. What he's saying is that when we see Jesus come to earth and Jesus dies for us, that now the playing field has been leveled and all approach the exact same way. The book of Ephesians, he talks about the wall of separation being torn down. And, and I say that to you because maybe this is, is not news to you, but it might be news to you because all around the world, people like to separate. I told you this a few years ago. We believe in America that, that racism is an American problem. It's not. It's a worldwide problem. It's a worldwide phenomenon. We, we like attracts like and we separate different and we, we do that all the time in everything that we do. And yet in Christ, all that gets leveled because the wall of separation and what Paul's talking about there in the book of Ephesians is that when you used to go to the temple, there was a wall where Gentiles could not pass further. Only Jews could go. But now through Christ, all of us may enter no one is excluded. And so he says, it's good news, great joy for all people. Well, what's the news? It's that the Messiah who is the Lord was born. Messiah, the one who was coming, the Christ. The one who'd been prophesied about. The one who we had been waiting for. The one who had been promised so long ago. From the very first pages of Genesis, he'd been promised. And now he's finally here. Jesus is that long-awaited one who came to die in our place. And, and the, the word Lord was going to play this pivotal role in his life over and over again. In fact, uh, we, we learn this in the book of Romans when it says, if you confess him as Lord, it's not just that he's a baby. That's a great story. Virgin birth, baby, awesome. It's that he's Lord of all. The Bible says that Jesus came and he died after living a sinless, perfect life and that he died for us and that he is raised from dead to life and that he is Lord of all. And so as Lord of all, that's an, a very important word for us to understand because as Jesus lived and, and experienced this life here on earth, a lot of people believed in his power, but they didn't believe that he was the Lord. They loved the miracles. They loved seeing him feed the 5,000. They loved it when people were healed. That was incredible stuff. It was a spectacle to behold and it was fun to be a part of, but they didn't believe he was the Lord. Some believed in his teaching. Some still do today. You're a great teacher, they would say about Jesus. Oftentimes people say, there's a great ethic that we can learn from Jesus and the way that he teaches us to treat people. And that's absolutely true. But the only way for us to do that is when he changes your heart and he becomes the Lord of your life. That's what the Messiah, the Lord was going to mean. So for us to understand this, we have to understand that he's not just a baby. It's a great story. But Christmas without Easter is incomplete. It's halfway there. A lot of times we get caught up in the sentimentality of this moment. I do. 
I love these songs that we sing. I love listening to the readings that we do around the Advent. I, I love uh, all the, the pageantry that comes with, with Christmas, the decorating of trees and houses and the lights that go up and now these uh, inflatable blow-ups that are all over everybody's yard. I love looking at those. I don't want any, but I love looking at yours. It's fun, isn't it? But we can miss a little bit that the story is not about how we, we feel about it. It's that he's Lord of all, that he's changed our lives from the inside out, and that's what he was coming to do. The scripture speaks about this in Philippians chapter two when it describes the Lord Jesus Christ not considering equality with God anything to be grasped, but he was willing to be humble, humble enough to put on flesh and come and live in this world in which we live and all of the things that happen here and deal with all of that. And the Bible says that he was willing to be humble, humble enough to go and experience death on the cross for you and for me. And that's what makes him Lord of all. He has conquered the grave. He's conquered death. And that was the announcement that night. Can you imagine? I mean, that's what the scripture says. This is good news for everybody. The gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is simply this. You and I have a problem. It's called sin. We all deal with it. There's this big S over our life, big sin, capital S over our life. It affects every one of us. We can't run away from it. We can try. Now, there are certainly little S sins that we do all the time, but our big problem is that we are sinners. We struggle with that because our flesh is weak and the scripture says everybody's there. That, that's part of the gospel. You can't get to the good news unless you know the bad news. This year, I've been thinking a lot about Romans 6.23 because it gives us some more bad news. The wages of sin is death. Spiritual separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life. How do we get it? Do we get it by being good? Do we get it by coming to church? Do we get it by, by passing the knowledge test? Do we, do we get it by living a certain ethic out for people to see? That's not it at all. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the only way for us to receive it. It's for Christ to be the Lord of our lives. Not a feeling we have about a baby, but for him to come and control our lives under his lordship. And so we see that on full display as the angels speak this good news. It was good news for everyone. Well, what about these angels? You know, some try to worship angels. They, they, they look for them. They, they try to seek them out. They try to elevate them. And, and that's never done in the scripture because we were never meant to focus on angels. So I feel a little funny giving you a little break here where we're gonna talk about angels because honestly, they're just kind of matter of fact but I'm probably gonna disappoint you this morning because if you're hoping that this is gonna be the key to finding your angel, sorry, doesn't work that way. In fact, every time somebody tries to worship an angel in the scripture, the angel rightly says, don't do that. And in fact, in Revelation 19, 10, 
John, walking through heaven, falls to his knees and begins to try to worship the angel. And the angel says, get up. No, 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 no. I'm a servant just like you. Don't do it. Perhaps Hebrews chapter one, verse 14, gives us what might be the, 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 the simplest and best explanation of what angels are. It just says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? Ministering spirits. They minister to believers at the the willingness of the Lord or the direction of the Lord. And we see this throughout scripture. Jacob, ministered to by angels. Hagar, ministered to by angels. Joshua, Gideon, Peter in the New Testament. They all experienced what this was like to be ministered to by an angel. But in the scripture, particularly in 1 John chapter four, we're told to test all of the spirits And the surefire test is that anything that doesn't point us to Jesus being the Lord is not from God. That's that's a great thing. Now notice, we saw this. The angels came, and what did they say? It's not about us. It's not about our golden harps. It's not about how awesome we are. It's not about our power. What did they say? Here's the news for you. Christ is born today. This is good news for all people. The Messiah, the Lord, has been born. In this helpful way, we see that that angels point us to the Lord when they're serving the Lord, never pointing to themselves. And and that's a great thing when we think about similarities for ourselves. If if we want to compare ourselves to angels, we, we should think about making sure that we're never pointing to ourselves, that we're always pointing to the Lord. That would be one way that we might be similar. Jesus furthermore describes believers as having angels who continually see the face of the Father. Matthew 18, verse 10. And this has led some people to believe in this idea that every believer has a guardian angel because it says the little ones, you know? But remember what Jesus was talking about. The way that we inherit eternal life is when we become like a child with a childlike faith. And as he begins to talk about that, I don't think that he's saying that that we have guardian angels uh, we may, but, but I think that there are ministering spirits all around. In fact, the Old Testament refers to God as the God of angel armies over and over again. I love that song when we sing that. The God of angel armies. He comes to our side and helps us. And that's exactly what showed up as we looked in this uh, passage of scripture. If you look back at verse 13, it said, suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host. So it, it's, it's a, a huge group praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to people whom he favors. How are angels different than us? Well, they're different in that they move in between heaven and earth as God sends them. They often have miraculous powers like the ability to blind an army or release someone from prison as what happened to Peter. They do not experience salvation like we do even though they long to understand it, to get a glimpse, they long for a glimpse into it. They don't, they don't get that. They, they, they long to understand that. So they're different from us. And that means as well, sometimes people incorrectly say that when we, we graduate to heaven that we become angels. We don't become angels. Angels are a created class of, of beings that God has created that are different from us. 
You're not gonna get your wings when you go to heaven. In fact, not all angels seem to have wings. There's certainly some that do. The cherubim and seraphim you find in the Old Testament scripture, but uh, it may be an incorrect assumption for us just to believe that all angels do is fly around and play harps. I don't know. How are they like us? Well, they're created beings like us so that they don't exist on their own. They're not in a vacuum. They work at the obedience of the Lord as God speaks to them. Some have names like us, Gabriel, Michael. Some are just called the angel of the Lord. Some just say the angel stood before him, an angel came. It, no name. Why? Because it's not important. God didn't give it that way. Just like us, they have very specific work to do. Very specific. And the obedience to that work, the obedience to what the Lord would call them to do, is important. When, when that doesn't happen, remember there was the downfall of the angel, Lucifer. And the demons, fallen angels that went with him. Most importantly, on this night, what we see is that the angels announced something that is very similar to the message that we were left to announce. Did you notice that? They announced the gospel. And if we're going to think about what, what could we draw out of this? What, what would be the thing for us to draw away from this that would be the application for us? Well, it's that we actually have the same message. The angels told the shepherds that night that there was good news for the world, that their sins could be forgiven because Messiah had come. That was the message. And that's the same message that we were left with, right? Jesus told us to go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe everything Jesus commanded us. So in the same way, we've been left with a very similar message. We have good news. It's not just that the angels had good news that night. We have good news. What's the good news? The good news is that today, Salvation is available for everyone. It's available for everyone. There's nobody that's going to be excluded from it if they would repent of their sins and trust Christ as Savior and Lord. That, that's a biblical promise for us from the book of Romans chapter 10. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And, and so we see that, that we have this idea of good news. Now, the world likes to tell you that that news uh, should be compartmentalized and you shouldn't be pushy about it and, and nobody really wants to hear that. But I promise you, when you have good news, you don't keep it to yourself. When you have good news, it's something that you like to share. Now, I, I recognize that there, there's a, a little bit of uh, maybe the flesh pokes in our life and sometimes we like to share bad news. We like to be the one to to share the bad news that we've heard. We like to be the one to share the awful thing that we've read about or the awful thing that we've seen or, or that we know that someone has experienced, but, but that's not what a, a heralded messenger does. They're sharing good news and we have good news to share with people and nothing should keep us from doing that because if we really believe this is good news, then we need to tell the world. Can I just remind you of some ways you might do that this week? It might start with just an invitation to a Christmas musical tonight. 
Somebody might come with you and, and see what's on display here as people sing. That, that's a great way for you to just share the gospel with someone. Let them come see the presentation of the gospel before their very eyes. How about inviting someone to our Christmas Eve service next week? That's a great way for you to do that. How about in, in, inviting someone into your home over the next week so that you can share what's important about Christmas to you? That's a great way to do it. Hey, come over. We're just gonna have a, a little bit of a, a holiday feast at our home. Come eat with us tonight. I wanna share with you guys why, why Christmas is important to our family. This is what we believe about it. This is why it's made such a difference. You see, every time we do that, we're engaging someone with the gospel. And every time we do that, we're, we're heralding the message that there's still good news. And I, I don't know about you, but I still believe that Christ changes people. That's weak. Let's run that back again. This is where you wake up and you should say amen or we should shut the doors and go, go on to lunch. Do you still believe Jesus changes people? Then if you do, share it this week. If you believe it, you have something to say because the world is telling everybody what, what they believe is right. And we know that broad is the, is the path that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to salvation. So if we know the way, if we know that it's good news, no one has to be destroyed. No one has to spend eternity separated from God because Christ died for us. I think it's good news too that we can tell the world that they have a seat at the table. Do you remember being a, a kid and what it was like to go through those moments where you had to pick teams? Do you remember that? Okay, two team captains. I got you, I'll take him, I'll take her, I got her, and just go through that. You know, there was always that one person that nobody ever really wanted to pick. You know, if it was basketball, it's because they couldn't catch it. If you threw it to them, it was going to hit them in the face. It was going to be awkward. You, see, you know, like dead weight on the team. And if you've ever experienced being kind of left out of something, you know what that feels like, right? And so isn't it good news to know that you're, you don't have to have the right pedigree to get in. You just have to receive the invitation. It's already been sent. It's already been delivered. It's already there for you. You, you. you don't have to wonder if God loves you. How do we know that God loves us? Because Christ came and died for us. So, so we can tell people, there is a place for you at the table. There's a place. God has plenty of room and no one's excluded from this party. Everybody gets to come. Christ is the ticket. We get to share that with people. We get to see people's lives transformed. What an incredible night to cause an, a, a, a multitude of angels to start saying, singing, praising, glory to God in the highest heaven. I can't even imagine what that must be like. The highest heaven. I kind of picture one heaven from what we read in the book of Revelation, don't you? It's, it's got 
pearly gates, golden streets, a, a sea of crystal. As much as we can imagine that, we, we, we see that and we understand it. And, and yet it says, in the highest heaven, this place that exists where the praise of God rises and it says, and peace came to earth. What does that mean? It means that there's no longer enmity between us and the Lord. He is our peace. And he bridged the gap. And so when we think about this, we have something very much in common with the angels. We have a story to tell that is good news. Important news. And I'm praying that we would do that during this season. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to ask you to think about right now, kind of just in the quietness of this moment, would you think about somebody in your life right now that needs good news? Well, certainly we all have them. We all have people that we know are far from the Lord. Who needs good news in your life right now? And before you would go speak to them, I want you right now to just start praying for them. Would you pray for them by name right now? Ask the Lord to give you an opportunity to share good news. Maybe you've never heard this good news yourself until I went through it just a few moments ago, but the great news about that is is that it's not too late. As long as there's breath in your lungs and a heart beating in your chest, you have a chance to make Christ the Lord of your life. Would you do that today? Why don't you ask him to save you? Repent of your sins. And ask the Lord to change you from the inside out. If you're a believer in the room, would you thank the Lord for this good news that changed your life? Let's not ever get used to that. Let's thank the Lord today and praise him. Lord Jesus, in this room, we're praying for people in our lives that need good news. God, I thank you that even recently, I was able to see one of my friends again who I didn't realize who had received good news. And God, the difference that it made in his life reminds me that you're still in the business of changing people. God, we thank you that the good news was great joy for all people, that no one is excluded. And Father, I pray for the one today who might feel like they're on the outside looking in, that they would be saved today.
Father, we thank you that you have ministering spirits attending to us and to heaven. And God, we thank you that that we get to experience something they won't know, and that's your salvation. We thank you that you have saved us by the blood of the Lamb. And Father, we want to lift up Christ as Savior today, nothing else. And we recognize that Christ is the only way. And so as we think about our friends that might need good news, we pray for them today. Lord, we pray that you would soften their hearts. Give us an opportunity to invite them. And tonight as the good news is proclaimed, Father, I pray that it would be meaningful in someone's life who doesn't know you. That someone might be saved today because of the good news that Christ has come. Lord Jesus, we praise your name and thank you that you didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. That you loved us and gave yourself for us. What a gift. Father, remind us today that that's the gift that changed our lives and that you have loved us so much Jesus, that you were willing to die in our place. How we praise your name for that. And it's in the name of Christ, the Messiah, our Savior Jesus, our Lord and Master, we pray. Amen.